Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Bridgehead at AM 530 at 1.30 p.m. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and I'm the Communications Director for the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. And we are a group that essentially works to change public opinion in Canada on the abortion issue that so, so that eventually a groundswell can be created to start legislating on this issue again and for, for us to start recognizing the very, very simple fact that human beings have human rights Human rights begin when the human being begins. Otherwise, we're simply discriminating against a group of human beings based on arbitrary characteristics. Of course, in the case of abortion, uh, that characteristic would be age. Now, throughout uh, human history, various different groups have been discriminated against based on a whole uh, array of characteristics. And we've actually interviewed quite a few of those people in the last number of weeks, people who have been involved in that. We've interviewed Holocaust survivors, uh, survivors of the Rwandan genocide. And next week coming up, we're going to be interviewing somebody who works with groups of persecuted Christians around the world. But today, the interview we have uh, for you is somebody that you may recognize, especially uh, you know if you're here in Canada, and that is a member of Parliament, Maurice Vellicott. Uh, Maurice Vellicott's been a member of Parliament since 1997 and has always been an outspoken advocate uh, for life and for the pro-life position. He always articulates extremely well why it is that abortion is an injustice and why it is that both Canadian politicians and Canadian citizens have a duty to stand up and speak on this issue. And as we stand here in a place in Canada where abortion is legal throughout all nine months of pregnancy, and Stephen Harper, the Prime Minister of Canada, strongly opposes any discussion on abortion whatsoever. Uh, it was really good to sit down and, and uh, talk to a member of Parliament who could tell us a bit about what he felt was going on here in Canada and a bit about abortion politics on the federal level and how he thinks that we can move forward. So, without further ado, I'd like to present an interview with pro-life member of Parliament Maurice Vellicott. One of the first questions I wanted to ask you is, we're obviously in a very unique situation in Canada where we're in the company of China and North Korea and that we have no abortion laws whatsoever. And of course, this plays directly into the fact that abortion legislation passed the House of Commons but failed in the Senate in 1991. How would you say abortion has fared as a political topic since the Senate's failure to pass uh, this legislation under Mulroney? Yeah, 
Yeah, and what we're finding now is that there's there's a, a bigger surge heading into the Canadian pro-life movement that we've seen in 25 years. But the pro-life movement was very, very large right up until this law failed in 1991. And what I'm I'm really wondering is, is how you think from a political perspective the failure of that law, which did pass the House of Commons, impacted you know the pro-life movement and, and the will of pro-life politicians to pursue this type of legislation, or if this the fact that this legislation failed sort of impacted the way people approached the issue. Well, I, I'm not going to be your best respondent or person with an answer on that one, John, because I came, in, came on the scene publicly at least, but I, I was there and aware of that, I guess, but uh, more on the scene on the, in a public way, federally at least in 97, prior mm-hmm. to that on the health board in 95. So I guess from my point on, I wasn't going to be crying in my milk and uh, commiserating on what had happened so much as uh, the path forward and what we do now. So uh, I kind of leave that for others, I guess, that were uh, right in the heat and the thick of the bat- those, those battles legislatively and other activism across the country mm-hmm. to uh, give your responses on that. So mine has been a, a mindset, I guess. I, I was certainly in existence and around at that time. I'm 58 now, so I was in my, uh, my late 30s, 40s in that period of time. But I, I'm more, you know, at least in mindset of the, uh, the era that says, hey, there's things to be done, things that we can proceed with to keep the issue alive, to, to move the yardsticks. Uh, we, we look at what's happening in other parts of the world, and uh, we also see some of the successes that they've had in the States, uh, you know, as well on the federal, but particularly on the local scene, on the state scene, in the role versus weight. So those are, that's the baddest point I bring. You, you may get your answers in terms of that other from the act, actively at that, uh, at that time. But I, I take a vantage point that we get the gains where we can, incremental, uh, even gestational, and I would probably have some difference with others uh, in the pro-life movement, uh, particularly campaign life and so on, that want to take a uh, purist kind of a, a, an approach on the thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't necessarily appreciate the fact that they moralize some in terms of those of us who are there in the thick of the battle on the legislative scene doing stuff that they can't do. Mm-hmm. And doing that at their level best in terms of an incremental approach, but also gestational. And I don't buy the argument that says if you, uh, you know, you initially protect the last trimester and then two trimesters. You know, we all know the end goal is to have a protection for life, right, through the early stages on through natural death. Right. And uh, if we can concede that or acknowledge that and affirm that among one another, then I think we, we end up uh, moving in that direction. So I don't think it helps the movement overall for... Uh, you know, entities like Campaign Life that uh, want to openly moralize or out Catholic the Pope, if you will, and say that uh, you can't you can't have gains by way of gestational, you know, the gestational approach either. Because I don't I don't accept it. It's flawed. Uh, you know, good great theologians and uh, thinkers have not necessarily concurred with that. Uh, the Catholic Church does not. And also, I just use the simple analogy time and again, Jonathan, that if uh, I was you know, when we used to live in BC, I was a young pastor there many years ago. Mm-hmm. But if I was going around the corner and uh, off, uh, you know, in some deep ravine there, there was a bus that had gone over the edge and uh, you know, there was kids that were hurt and, and some dying in the midst of that. The bus was just uh, erupting into flames, you know, at the edges. Uh, I would go down there and try to save as many as I can, as I could. I would not stand back and say, well, unless I can save them all, I'm not going to intervene and get involved and uh, try to save any at all. Right. So right. my approach in a very simple kind of analogy is in similar fashion, there's a burning bush, there's a, uh, there's a, a bus in the middle 
action for broader country to actually get in and uh, help to uh, mitigate to save as many lives as I possibly can. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, worry about the big picture as we go along. We'll do what we can and keep proceeding to save every, every life that we possibly can. So you would say then that groups like We Need a Law coming forward and, and the new position of, of a lot of pro-life groups that we have to do exactly what you're saying, which is do what we can with what we have while working towards more. Would you say that's been quite helpful? Oh, I, I think it's a game, as I indicated they talk here, Jonathan, that uh, it's the younger generation. Uh, I, I wouldn't say we're passing the torch to the next because they, the other generation is still quite actively involved, but our numbers have been greatly strengthened. I think uh, We Need a Law is a good approach because it highlights the fact that a lot of people are not aware that in this country we have no law all through nine months, no protection for a vulnerable uh, pre-born human life, and uh, that we do need a law. We don't want to be in the company of uh, Korea and China and, and some of those countries mm-hmm. like that. So certainly that is helpful in, in my particular view. I think it also highlights the fact that we have no protection for women. I mean, as, as much as we've got two lives involved here, as David Reardon in his book uh, points out, when we protect, and we probably should do more of that, and more of the perspective of vantage point uh, from a woman's point of view, uh, we should be providing the informed consent, providing the supports, because when we protect the woman and, and give her uh, respect and dignity and full information and so on, I believe, because I've had these conversations, that the woman uh, wants to do the right thing, the nurture thing, and she will protect the child. So if we uh, do all we can on behalf of the woman, then she she is really the only one at the end of the day, as things stand, uh, that can you know nurture and protect the life of the child. So we need to have lots of discussion, uh, rightly uh, directed and helpful toward women, because this is a difficult time for them. And if they're pressured by boyfriends or husbands or society around and not given support from from us, from those who believe in a culture of life, uh, then it's not not very helpful if we're just kind of finger-wagging and, uh, you know, talk about the baby, I mean, which, of course, we do and should, but uh, if, the woman is, if the woman is protected and cared for and provided full information and the kinds of support necessary in a, in a difficult situation, if this was not exactly the right timing for her, and particularly if her boyfriend or the father of the child uh, turns on her and pushes her toward abortion, there need to be many of us, like the Linda Gibbons and the Mary Wagner, standing in the gap and, and, and trying to point uh, women in the way of support. I think if, I mean, if I was a billionaire, I'd have ultrasounds all over the country such that women could be allowed the opportunity of really understanding, seeing firsthand uh, the life that's there. Some of the laws, I think, that, that we have in the States, for example, uh, but basically giving full informed consent. I think it's so disrespectful of women so much of a put down to women when we, for every other medical procedure across the country, we have to provide uh, full information, full knowledge, and uh, yet for this one, for abortion, you know, which actually takes a human life, we don't. I served on the Saskatoon District Health Board prior to my uh, step onto the federal scene here, uh, elected member of the, on that board, and uh, I was the largest health board in the province of Saskatchewan with a multi, with a huge, huge budget, millions of dollars budget. And we actually had to have good liability protection for every one of us as board members. And we had to be sure in our supervisory overriding kind of role in the uh, method of the governance that we use that we had the proper liability protection for the board members. And also that there was the videos in that day and age 
lady was provided, there was all the full information, description, if it was a knee surgery or elbow or anything, you know, even outpatient-type surgery so that people knew. Right. Otherwise, we could be sued. And the, you know, the, uh, the caregiver, the doctor, the hospital, the, uh, region, the health region could be sued for that. So, with unfortunately, with this one, we do not have the lawyers were willing to take it the next step and take it forward on behalf of women, but I, I just think it a great indignity and disrespect to women when we do, do not allow, uh, do not even make the effort that they should be provided the full, uh, full information. And that by way of uh, some of the you know, extensive studies that have been done to show that there are some people more prone or subject to depression after particularly a traumatic event like that and the loss of a life that they've carried. Mm-hmm. Doctors should be asking those questions, and if they don't, uh, then there there may well be repercussions. Uh, so I think those are some of the uh, things that we need to do better on behalf of women in the future for, and providing the kinds of supports when it may not be coming from others, and they may be coerced, pressured. Uh, the Kenneth uh, Bill years ago, uh, the on Benoit picked it up. The unborn victims of violence bill was trying to to assist from that vantage point where there was coercion and pressure and uh, lack of full knowledge under understanding of the development stages of the child. A lot of people will say that they feel the debate's been shut down because none of the major party leaders want to talk about it, and all of the major party leaders seem to have taken in a fairly pro-choice stance. What would your response be to those who say that this this debate seems like it's politically closed to a degree? Well, I, I, don't, I don't accept that opinion at all. Mm-hmm. It's not and I think anybody who's been awake on any day over the last uh, half a dozen years or so knows that it's, in fact, it's only uh, intensified over the last couple of years. It doesn't really matter what leaders say at the end of the day. It might be helpful if they were to take a, a more open mind on this. But at the end of the day, uh, you cannot find the conscience of people that elected leaders. And we've seen a plethora of good bills come forward from different people, their own approaches to it. But they've all been helpful. Uh, you know, I don't think there's one, any one bill, any one particular magic approach. I think there's uh, a number of things that can and ought to be done. And coming out of the creative mind of uh, legislators in our federal system in particular, uh, we've had that over the last uh, several years here. So it's it's not closed out. I mean, there may be leaders that don't have this point of view and are a little bit scared and run from it, which they should not, of course, if they... Uh, managed it and had the communication people in at it uh, half as much as they do on a number of the issues that face us in this country that are, that are not even as important in, in, the, in the scheme of things. So uh, I don't think, you know, despite what leaders say and so on, this issue is not shut down and, and cannot be, as I said before, it's just not not the nature of, uh, of the question at all. The question of life is too, too basic, too fundamental for that. Uh, you've got international bodies, the, the uh, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child talk about the protection of the pre-born child. Mm-hmm. Signatory to that as a country, so we've obviously agreed in a measure, you know, and uh, we we need to do be sure that we're doing what we ought you know, in that respect, and that we're not contravening the very the document, the convention that we've signed. And uh, so that was one of my uh, specific uh, motions that was on on the order paper. Another one was in respect to the damage and harm done to uh, men and women, uh, you know, people across our, our great country in the aftermath of the Mormon Tolerance decision. So those were those were committee studies that would given us, it would have given us a little bit more background in respect to 
regarding the obligation that we have under the International Convention on the Rights of the Child on that specific issue of protection for children once born but also pre-born. Mm-hmm. And uh, information in respect to some of the effects, the ill effects. I think some people might want to hide that and cover that up. And I know there's some provinces that made moves so that those abortion statistics are not available. But I think uh, that, that whenever we're hiding information like that, we don't serve the greater public interest very well. You know, besides the influx of young people into the pro-life movement over the last number of years, what's the most encouraging step forward that you've seen? You've been you've been around since 1997, so you've you've seen a lot of the recent recent attempts at legislation and and motions and things like that. What have you found the most encouraging? I think what you see on the on the public level, or what the, kind of erupts above the radar, if you will, you know, above the you know the tip of the iceberg, is the fact that the legislative uh, motions, bills, and so on, various endeavors of that sort, which would also then reflect to me, and because I'm aware of that, the various educated things, the greater uh, activity that's being done on the educated side of it, uh, with Life Canada on issues of adoption, you know, various other groups, good groups, and organizations across the country. So that that uh, to me reflects, uh, you know, the, uh, the the increased number of bills and motions that come forward like that is more of a barometer indicator of the fact that many, many other good things being done across the country. So that's that's been encouraging. I think when you see the, the different perspectives that are being brought, there's lots of pro-life people in the National Parliament of Canada, as there are in various legislators across the uh, legislative assemblies across the country. But uh, as a legislator on the federal scene, I can obviously most remark on uh, the great encouragement it is when you see your your troops reinforced and the numbers increase in terms of individuals who have a concern about that. And there are those that have come onto the federal scene as well that may not be ones to stick their neck out and uh, you know proactively do stuff. But many many others that will actually when there's sensible pieces of legislation coming forward, they would be prepared to support that or to endorse that if it gets to the floor of the House. So that, mm-hmm. that I bodes well for me is a good thing also. And uh, like I said, for the most part, I'm, I'm quite encouraged actually in terms of what's occurred over the span, uh, span of time that I've been on the federal scene. When you look at uh, you know the state of of abortion politics in Canada, then we know from looking at Wilberforce and and you know other social movements that public opinion always informs public policy. So, as public opinion shifts more towards the pro life side, what's the one piece of advice or one thing you would ask of the pro life movement at large to support roles like the one that you hold? Well, I, I think I think it's uh, you know we kind of have this interplay with one another, and, and I mean I don't obviously. I, I'm not always at every point around the country involved in some of the discussions that are going on in various groups and organizations and uh, smaller groupings. So, but I, I would just say, for sure, I support all of that. You know what I mean? And as I said before, Jonathan, I don't, I don't think there's any one approach. I mean, I think there's some various approaches that are more helpful than others. But I think uh, I, I would want to simply applaud and affirm. You know, if people are thinking through the path ahead in terms of how we can get to the end goal of uh, great respect for life, dignity of, of women, and uh, informed consent and so on. But from, from the vantage point of a person who's been on the federal scene, I can just say, I'm not of the opinion or I don't say, well, I think that shouldn't be done or this shouldn't be done. I think there's some things that are more helpful in terms of uh, bringing the issue uh, in a positive way to the attention of others and to the general public who may not be aware of the implications and what's involved to, to the extent they should 
think it's a great educative thing that requires to be done, but sometimes the educative thing is done by proposing things, putting things forward. And then as there's some debate ensues and you follow some of the, uh, the sites on the Internet and so on, it's very interesting. And I, I'm impressed with the fact that people stepping in with, uh, you know, at least some, some modicum of uh, intelligent argument in respect to that. Others, I'm quite almost horrified when I read some of the, the name-calling and stuff on the Internet where people are just uh, shows an appalling ignorance of, uh, of, of what's involved here. Mm-hmm. Mr. Velicott, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was an interview with pro-life member of Parliament Maurice Velicott talking about abortion politics here in Canada. We uh, thank all of you for coming being with us this week, and we hope that you'll join us all again next week. Again, if you want to check us out online, if you want to hear this interview again, please go to unmaskingchoice.ca. That's unmaskingchoice.ca. Thanks so much and have a great weekend.